When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Madrigal, a solo home run to left to start the seventh. There's your top five pick. Just a great baseball player, that's all I can say. Talk about a size, I think that answers a lot of questions right there. That's swinging the bat. He really does it all. That, uh, this Oregon State baseball team that the Gophers have earned the right to play. They, uh, Gophers were seated 14th. Oregon State was seated third. When you look at the resume of Oregon State, you wonder, how the hell weren't they seated first? Uh, Nick Madrigal, their second baseman, he's five foot seven. He can play shortstop, but he's supposed to be the second coming of Pedroia, if not El Tuvi. Hmm. Uh, not, not quite as much, not the power of El Tuvi. But uh, I, I was happened to be clicking last night, and uh, MLB was beating the hell out of the draft last night, trying to get people excited for the baseball draft, which is dang near impossible, right? Because we don't know who any of these guys are. But this kid's going to be uh, drafted in the top five, Gammons, and one of the other guys on the panel said, "If you want a guy that's going to make it to the big leagues in a hurry, this is the first pick, the little second baseman. He's not their power hitter." They got another guy named Trevor Larnich, a right fielder who could be a first rounder, uh, and uh, or he's he's going to be a first rounder. He's one of the best power hitters in the draft. Uh, Madrigal was supposed to be a shortstop, but their shortstop is so good. A kid named Great Caden Grenier that they moved Madrigal the second, mm. and uh, Lanier is going to be a high draft choice too. Or Grenier is going to be a high draft choice too. And then they have uh, several outstanding pitchers. Uh, Larnich, this Larnich has uh, been rated as high as 14th and as low as 21st. So, and Madrigal top five. That's who you're playing. And now, of course, the uh, big thing with that team is this uh, left-handed pitcher, Luke Heimlich, who uh, was uh, the best pitcher in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, the Oregonian was doing the big piece on him last year. They did a little search through court records, as apparently that's a policy with them. They, When they're writing a feature on somebody, they just look at the court records to see what they might be missing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with this kid, it was uh, the charge that at age 15, he uh, molested his six-year-old cousin. And uh, when that story popped, the, or- the Oregonian the newspaper in Portland, when they wrote the story, the Oregon State people were so upset because the court record was supposed to be sealed, sort of, but it was 
it was on the it's public records, record, yeah. yeah. Uh, that they wrote with an explanation with it as to why they were revealing the story. People out there went nuts, one side or the other. Uh, Heimlich did not get drafted last year. It was it was fresh in the news. Well, he's now probably I'm not I haven't seen it yet officially, but he's probably the guy the Gophers are going to face in the first game. Left hander. He's a senior now. He'll be back in the draft. Uh, because no. remind me too, Pat, when that story broke last year, there was talk that he might even have to be removed from the team. Wasn't that part well, of it? The... He did not go to Omaha with them. That's right. He did not uh, make the trip to Omaha with them. Uh, but uh, he's. Uh, uh, where's my story here? Uh, I got to look at this story. He Casey, the coach, was on with uh, our friend John Canzano who's got a radio show out there, and he's also the sports columnist at the Oregonian. Casey, uh, John Daniels, the Rangers uh, general manager, had already announced the organization would not draft Heimlich. Uh, Heimlich had pleaded guilty as a teenager in 2012 to one count of sexually molesting a six-year-old female family member. Uh, in addition to this, one of the big problems here is that the fam- it has split the family Mm. And the 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 uh, parents of the six year old girl who's now eleven have not reconciled with this at all, and for good reason mm-hmm. I would think. So the 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 whole second chance thing is not working with the family, and that's a, a, an ugly situation. Big long stories. Uh, the Oregonian wrote a, a big long story. SI just had another one. Uh, here was uh, the coach, Pat Casey. Uh, I think the Rangers, talking about the Rangers making that public announcement, the other teams have just avoided talking about Just giving it the no comment or, or whatever, yeah. I think the Rangers, Rangers are a team that took a chance on a guy, Josh Hamilton, who wrote a book about his problems, where he was sent to the store to get medication for his two-year-old infant and ended up in a crack house for a week and spent the money on crack cocaine. And they spent money on a reliever, Matt Bush, who ran over a guy while he was drunk and left him to die. I don't think that anybody should be talking about who should or who shouldn't be drafted. I think every club has to make their own decision, and that's certainly there. I feel like that's not fair to anybody to come out and talk about who should be signing somebody or who should be drafting somebody. And I don't think I can argue with him on that. Well, and you can't. If you start to go down that road, you're going to find yes, you're going to find stuff on virtually everybody. Yeah, but boy, in one way or another, is this a tough one? A tough draw. If yeah. A, if you're a team, what do you what do you do? What do you do? Right. Yeah. I mean, do you, we all believe in redemption, and uh, the kid now that they've kind of. He's now, when he's talked about it, he's and he doesn't talk about it much. He's been saying that he pled guilty because to get it over with, and the record was going to be sealed. And but he's claiming that uh, I think he claims now that uh, he, he's not guilty. But well, and because know. it surfaced after he had already joined Oregon State, it well, makes it a little junior, bit. Yeah, it was the end of his junior year. He was going to be a first round draft choice, mm-hmm. and which makes it, it puts them in a difficult situation too, just given the fact that he's already spent time with them. And like I said, because you you mentioned, I remember when this story surfaced last year that there was talk that they were going to have to you know kick him off the team. I think there was a big debate too as to whether Oregon State knew or not. I think they they did not. That know was about part it of it too. It was okay. not in the records. It was not in the records. Right. So they, and the kid didn't tell them about it. So anyway, 
The Gophers have got themselves a, a very uh, outstanding opponent this week at Oregon State. Oregon State beat LSU bloody twice yeah. to uh, win the tournament. 12-0 yesterday. Oof. 12-0 LSU. And the LSU never shows up with nobody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that highlight we played at the beginning of the uh, mm-hmm. Madrigal hitting that home run, the reason why the announcers weren't like overly excited about the home run is because it was already 13 to 13 to one Oregon state at that point. This, this guy, Pat Casey has been there a long time. They won back to back national titles in 2006 and seven and Oregon state. You know, we always say Northern teams have not won. I guess we don't count the coast. You know, sure. We don't count the coast, but that's pretty far North and they've won. Yeah. Two, uh, They've, they've got just a real powerhouse program. They have such a powerhouse program that Oregon dropped baseball for 20-some years. Oregon didn't have baseball. And they were so, they are such rivals, and Oregon was so offended by all the pub Oregon State was getting, they started playing baseball again. How long ago was that? Did they start playing it? Playing Same year that they won their last title. They started the next season, okay. 07, 08. Because with the the amount of money that they that Oregon gets, that shocks yeah, no, me well, that, that they would have that was part. But but they didn't have Nike back when they dropped baseball. Okay. They dropped baseball in the eighties. Oh, in the okay, yeah. gotcha. And mm-hmm. when they dropped a bunch of sports and they dropped baseball, but they started playing again. And they've been pretty good, but not as good as Oregon State. All right, we'll be back. John Anderson, uh, go for a baseball coach when we return. The 0-2. Super Regionals for the first time in team history. John Anderson has his first regional championship as head coach of the Gophers. Uh, I had this communication with John at 1.30 this morning by uh, text, so uh, he's he, he probably had a hectic day today. Oh, I would think so. To go out to Oregon State. I would uh, think so. so I'll, I just texted him here, and we'll uh, see if we get him. We expect to have him momentarily. Uh, that was uh, quite a three days at Seabird Field on uh, the the Gophers uh, on Friday night. They uh, they win the ball game and they knocked the hell out of uh, poor Canisius, which was badly overmatched. Very overmatched. They had a left-handed pitcher. The their ace left-handed pitcher was uh, the the Mac coach pitcher of the year. They could not handle it. Go for six left-handed hitters. And they had a lefty pitching against them, and they have a better batting average against lefties than uh, than the Gophers score more runs. And with six lefties, whether they're they, they have better numbers against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching. And you know that was the shame of it too, Pat. I mentioned this to Joe earlier today that you know my personal baseball schedule didn't allow me to head down to Seabird Field because I really wanted to go for one of those games because it looked like a really fun festive baseball atmosphere mm-hmm. you know and it what a cool moment for both john and that program uh and they had uh you know they they announced like 2280 they they get a number of comps they they were basically 2500 was how many sure. they were gonna let in there and that that's pretty crowded and they had a little bigger they sold a few more tickets on uh saturday and uh last night they sold more either game now saturday night i gotta admit i showed up just as a spectator, I, I was going to watch tweet. the damn game. <laughs> Honest to God, there is not a lightning bolt. Seven, apparently they saw some flash of lightning. It could have been a strobe light. 
seven point they detected it seven point six miles away and moving away, and they still stopped the game. And when they stop the game, they have to keep it stopped for a half hour. Oh God! Mm-hmm. So they just sat around. Nobody left. Nobody, uh, you know, nobody did anything. And uh, it, but we we waited, and then that game ended. Of course, at twelve twenty four a.m. Here is uh, John Anderson, Gopher baseball coach. Congratulations, sir. Thank you, Patrick. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. Now, uh, I'm not sure that everybody uh, who shows up knows how crucial Saturday was. Because <laughs> that, that's a tense ball game. And boy, does that make a difference if you go 2-0, and doesn't it? If you're in one of these tournaments, if you lose that game, you got to win three more. If you win it, you only got to win one more. Those, uh, those game twos are vital. They're huge. Yeah, I've been in plenty of regionals, Pat, and we've lost, uh, you know, opening round or the second game, and, and they come through the loser's bracket. Is, and then you got to play a doubleheader. After usually a late night game, you got to come back and yes. play a doubleheader the next day. And it's really taxing on your team. And, you know, between games, you stuff a sandwich in their mouth and you go play again. And it's, it's real difficult. So I don't think we win that game on Saturday for on the road, to be honest with you. Um, just the having the crowd on your side yeah. being in your ballpark and the energy that's created and makes it easier for those freshmen, I think, than, than being on the road, even though they've pitched on the road this year. I just been in too many games to know how important that is, and that's why historically the teams that host have won consistently. And, it's, you know, you were the road team there because you lost a coin flip. But yeah. I would imagine it's a little easier. Uh, you send Max Meyer out. He gets him out again in the 10th. He's done, I suppose, if you don't. I mean, but but you, you get that run in the top of the 10th. So Max Meyer knows, okay, if he can give you three more outs, you win the ball game. So he kind of saved the game for himself there. Yeah, we were getting there. We were getting to his pitch count. He was in uh, getting on. After that last inning, he was in the 50s. Um, you know, we've had him as in the 40s, I think, once this year. So, no question, um, we were getting there, and uh, they had to make a decision. And would have been a hard one to take him out of there, but probably at some point here, the game went on much longer. We might have got one more out of him, but that would have been it. Hey, John, as tense as, as uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, so you've played a lot of tense ball games. Was uh, Saturday night about as tense as it gets? It was a great ball game. I, I, I honestly don't remember, believe that we've ever that I've ever been in an NCAA tournament game that was played so well by both teams. Yes, exceptional play. Both teams made pitches, made plays, had great at bats. I mean. A lot of stuff went on in that game, and uh, it was it was an outstanding college baseball uh, game against an outstanding opponent. And I said going in, they could pitch and play defense, and we we're going to have to do the same if we we're going to have a chance there. And then uh, to have Patrick Fredrickson go out there and compete and make big pitches again and make some plays for him and find a way at the end to get a couple more hits than they did at the right time. Hey, Patrick uh, Fredrickson, uh, if Gardy had been managing, he would have said he battled his tail off because he <laughs> he was not dominant, but he, boy, he got out. And he does that for you all year. I, I was talking to Billy Soul Sr., and he told me this kid always makes the right pitch for a freshman, and he had to do that a few times on uh, Saturday night. He sure did. Yep, he did. No question. He's done it all year. That's been his uh, M.O. 
Uh, and uh, yesterday, just a slugfest. Your hitters uh, really turned it loose, and uh, that was, uh, you know, that was just coming up with you know, enough we, pitchers we, to finish. We had a game to play with, and so we held some people back. Um, you know, we, we uh, held Nick Lackney back, a left-hander, and Thorson back, and we're going to use Max Meyer unless maybe for an out. Um, so, uh, you know, we knew we had that in our back pocket. We weren't going to throw everybody out there and, on and uh, thankfully, we got a you know got the big lead. It made it easier to make some of those decisions, but we got the big lead, and that was very helpful in how we could handle our pitching staff. So, after early on, the players came in and said the, the position players said, "Hey, you know, the pitcher's been doing it for us all week, and it's our turn. Let's uh, let's find some way to put some runs on the board here and win this game." John, uh, the uh, the this club you got uh, this weekend, wow. They're going to have two number one draft choices, maybe three. Uh, it, it must be a really loaded ball club, Oregon State, huh? Well, yeah, they're, they're loaded. Over the last three or four years, they've just had dominating uh, performances uh, in all three phases of the game, and they've won a lot of games. I think the most games in college baseball over the last three years, and they're really good at home. Um, but, you know, we think we have a good team, too, and, you know, if we put the stat sheets up on the wall, they're fairly comparable uh, in all the in offense, defense, and pitching. So there's some similarities there. And you know, this this club's been up for all the challenges this year, and they've, uh, I think they're ready for another one. And and uh, UCLA played them tough, right? UCLA played them uh, pretty tough just recently. Yeah, they had uh, I think three low scoring games, and UCLA won on Sunday. And uh, I think on that day, Oregon State had a chance to, to tie for the. Pac-12 championship if Washington had uh, beat, uh, I think they were playing Stanford. So, um, yeah, and uh, going through the line, there sounds like there's a, a little uh, unfinished business between some of the players said between the uh, UCLA players and Oregon State. They said, make sure you go out there and beat the Beavers. <laughs> oh, really? So they weren't rooting. They weren't, <laughs> rooting. The same conference. They weren't the same rooting for so their... There must be a little bad bud there or something. I don't know. That's what some of the players told me after the game. There's this uh, great controversy with the Heimlich uh, kid, uh, uh, but uh, he's obviously a hell of a pitcher. Are you, do you think you're going to get him in game one? I think so. Mm-hmm. They didn't pitch him against the four seed. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, but you, in the two out of three, you got to win the first game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to believe that's who they're going to run out there. And and uh, so, like I said, we've seen every left-hander in America. So <laughs> it's different this weekend, right? I should have asked you. Uh, have they told you? Are you? Is it Friday or Saturday? When do you start? We don't know until all the regionals are completed okay. today. They're still going on because all the games are televised. Yes, and. Uh, so they, they go Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Monday, and there'll be a regional. I guess Cal State Fullerton's going to host and play Washington. They both had upsets, and they, they upset Stanford, and and uh, Washington uh, won that regional uh, out in uh, East Carolina, if I remember right. So um, they'll have two West Coast times, and oh, we know okay. that's like being at Fullerton. If you're going to watch the games this weekend, you better get some rest because they're going to be <laughs> probably 8 o'clock starts. Uh, California time, West Coast time. So, uh, so I would think Fullerton and uh, Washington will play on one of those start on Friday, and one of us will start on Saturday. Is my guess. Hey, John. Earlier in this year, uh, Cole McDevitt was uh, catching. He and he and Eli Wilson were kind of alternating there for a while, and then you put McDevitt at first. Boy, this kid's a good catcher. Oof. 
Yeah, Pat, we just uh, figured it out last night after the game. We were talking as a staff. We're 30-7 and seven since we moved Eli back there full-time. Wow, wow, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It was uh, He's done a fabulous job, and we don't call pitches. Uh, he mm-hmm. calls the game and, and uh, has handled the staff. How many balls did he block this weekend in the dirt and, uh, you know, save uh, guys from advancing or scoring from third base? And he's, uh, you know, the apple didn't fall too far from the tree with his father. <laughs> no. Right here, so. Uh, you, you, uh, your lineup is, uh, before analytics, your lineup is, is kind of different because, uh, Toby Hansen's a stick, but you got him hit ninth because, uh, kind of your second middle of the order guy, uh, cause he can't run too well because of various injuries. And Eli is not your classic fourth hitter either. What, what, what's your philosophy lineup wise? Yeah. You know, we had to break up the left handers with somebody. Yeah. Fourth spot, you know, that. And try to find somebody behind Vavra. Um, and uh, so, um, you know, Eli was putting together some good good at-bats back there. And we, you know, probably in the, the end of March. And uh, I was looking to try to break up and space out the left-handers. And had Cole McDevitt up there for a while. And uh, Toby was hitting up there in the fifth spot, fourth spot for a while. But then he had the, uh, the wrist uh, surgery, and the, the, the bone injury there. And... Uh, in his back, and so I put him down the nine hole because his timing was off. He wasn't swinging very good, and and uh, I've kind of left him there because he he turns the lineup around and Boxville was at ninth, put him to seventh, and Kazaki between them. And I, you know, I said going into the regional that uh, those two guys, Boxwell and Hanson, were going to be critical to how we get here because the seniors they played a lot, they're talented, and. We needed to to get some big hits out of those two guys, and we did. Yeah, hey, I talked to you for a minute about this uh, Friday night. Uh, got you know beyond winning a regional, beyond winning uh, three games in a row in a regional, it was an emotional uh, three days for you because this was kind of what you hoped Seabird, the new Seabird Field, could be when you were raising money. Yeah, that was the vision. No question about it. That that was the vision. Uh, we uh, part of the message to the people as we met with them to to uh, donate some money to get it done was uh, that uh, not only would it impact us and make us more competitive in our league and help us in recruiting, but the goal was at some point to be able to host a regional again, and so we could move along in, in, in on the national scene as well. And so uh, yeah, it was emotional and it was uh, kind of a celebration, and it brought to reality what we thought we could do with the new stadium and. And for the fans to come out and support us and the energy they brought to the stadium and they were really into the games uh, it was uh, it was it was special and uh, tried to take some time between innings just to look around and the ballpark and see people in there and what was going on and I didn't want to miss that because you never know if there'll be another opportunity and, and I wanted to make sure that I, I caught some of the the, the, uh, the the things that were going on and some of the specialness of the weekend hey John thanks for your time congratulations and uh, we'll see you soon all right, Patrick. Thank All right, you thanks. for your support. Yeah, okay, bye. John Anderson, uh, go for a baseball coach. And I can say we had him as a guest on the radio from Fort Myers when they were playing. That's the right, we did. We've been on this bandwagon a That's lot right. longer than everybody else. In right? fact, driving, I would say. We're driving the bandwagon. I think we did drive yes. the bandwagon. Yeah. Well, well, you, not me and I Manny. I can tell but. you that I... Uh, I've always, I take an interest in it. I, I I remember when Gopher baseball was a was a fairly big deal in town, and I it's pretty good ball. And uh, you know, one thing that's hurt him at the gate. I got to go here, but the fact that uh, you're on a semester system now instead of a quarter system. Back in the day, hmm. you know, in the seventies, yeah. 
students were still in school till June fourth or something like sure. that. Now yep. they hell, they're, they're all they're gone. Take, they're all home. Now yeah. they're taking finals the first week of May and they're they're out of there. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it's hard to draw. But uh, good weekend and uh, congratulations to a really good baseball team. Oregon State tough draw, but uh, these guys won't roll over. I suppose if I called up the Gophers and uh, asked them if they'd let me talk to the receiver who caught the one pass from Vic Veramontis in the uh, spring game, that they probably wouldn't put him on the phone for me, would they? No. No. Well, I'm writing a feature story. How about the guy that recovered? How about the guy that recovered his fumble? Which one? Didn't he have about six? Two, but I think he recovered one himself. Ah. He got recovered one himself. So. Yeah. All right, here's Johnny. Thanks, Patrick. This update sponsored by KFC. This summer, get a KFC Extra Crispy $20 fill-up. Meal includes eight pieces of Extra Crispy Chicken plus all the fixings. This offers not everywhere and not forever. Prices may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Sorry. When I did see the Vic Veramontis story, I immediately thought of Patrick and how I was, mm-hmm. I was bummed out that we weren't on the air that day. Well, I immediately thought, I better get in the bathroom before I wet myself. I'm laughing laughing so hard. I was very nervous that I was going to be walking around with wet drawers. Well, I uh, first found found out about the Vic story because I saw you tweet it. And I could see your glee as I found out about the story. Twins off today after taking three out of four from Cleveland. They'll get things back up and rolling tomorrow when they play the White Sox in a doubleheader. One of those games, a makeup game. First game at 310. Game two follows about a half hour after game one. One game in baseball today. Uh, it involved a makeup game also uh, this afternoon. The Yankees beat the Tigers 7-4, to four, game one of a doubleheader. Uh, Glaber Torres hit his 10th home run. Wow. Holy cow. In 36 games... Glaber's hitting 317 with 10 home runs. He's knocked in 28. Would the Cubs give back the World Series trophy to have, they have him? <laughs> Would they give her back? Apparently, uh, the second game tonight, he's starting at shortstop, so, oh, really? which is his natural position. Yes. So, uh, The Major League Baseball. Do you know the Didi after he was Oof. killing the Twins? Yeah. And everybody went one for 48? Yes, I did know What? That. One yeah. for 48. Oh, my God. No, I did not know that. Yes. His average fell 100 points in about three yeah. weeks. Wasn't he the player of the month in April or something? Oh, he yeah. could have been. Yeah. He was, every time he came up, he hit a home run. Uh, Major League Baseball draft starts tonight, underway at six-hour time. The Who are we taking? Huh? Twins have the 20th pick in the draft. Uh, the number one pick is held by the Detroit Tigers. I'm not sure. We're, everybody's got them taking some left-handed pitchers, but there's about three different ones. High school kid with a lot of upside. Yeah, throws hard. <laughs> there's one kid that throws 100. I don't want kids to throw 100 because that means they're going to have Tommy Johnson. Right. Uh-huh. So to hell with them. Uh, the, I want a guy that throws about ninety seven, and that's the the is it Boston or St. Louis the 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 kid that they keep showing highlights of? Well, every time he throws at one hundred and five, it's a ball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who cares if it's fast? Well, he yeah. also went on the DL last week. Did so, he really? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, yeah. Time, right. let, let me guess, John. Arm trouble. It was oh. something with his arm. I don't recall mm-hmm. what. Right, right before the weekend. I think it was Friday. Throw so. that hard. Yeah, Minnesota Lynx now two and five. What is going on? Deception. <laughs> That's Sanchez. Whalen mm-hmm. played seven minutes. Uh oh. The two co- the two head coaches are clashing. That's what I'm saying. Are, are, are My we... inside sources tell me things are uh... so. So Lindsay only played seven minutes. Do we seven have to call minutes. the minutes police on yes. Coach Reeve. Oh, What's yeah. going on? She played uh, and and she also didn't play Brunson much either. 
Uh, they're 2-5 and five after losing to L.A. yesterday. They'll be on the road to play Washington on Thursday night. I'm telling you. That could be 2-6 because Washington's dis- really good. They're distracted by the Reeve to the NBA numer- rumors. That's what's caused all this. <laughs> We're going to lose Cheryl to the NBA. NBA? Yeah, yeah that's right. All right. And Minnesota United lost to Casey Sporting last night. Uh, you'll hear uh, all about that and other things tomorrow night on the Adrian Heath Show, the coach's show. Uh, it's live tomorrow at the Nomad Minneapolis at 1500 ESPN. Oh, Nomad is sweet. They have to play a game at Cincinnati or something on they Wednesday. They are in Cincy, yes. Isn't so it Sporting he, KC, John? Did I, what did I say? KC Sporting, you're right. Yeah, and that's the way I, I typed know, it, too. You're right, it's Sporting yeah, it's, KC. It's something. That's correct. Why don't they call each other like the Tigers and stuff? And you know, just I'm get like, on board. Come on, put the this scarf on. Get on board. This get, is America. Get the scarf on, pal. That's right. Scarves up. Get on board. America get again. Assimilate, Royce. <laughs> yes, right. I agree with you. This is America. We don't need these dumbass nicknames, and we don't need when you look at the scoreboard that the visiting team is on the right, and the home team is on the left. I can't get behind that, that either. communist yeah. right there. That's a bunch communist of communists. All right, we better go here. You never know what's going to set him <laughs> off. You just never know. Right. A high fly to center field. It's hit deep. Zimmer back. Circle. I was in Milwaukee the weekend. The puck went 10 for 11. Oh, my and God. And had four yeah. home runs and four doubles. And uh, don't know what else he did. Yesterday was the most like that I've ever seen because of where the pitches were. Uh, you know, the first one is a flick. I don't, yeah, I he just flipped his I didn't bat know out what was going to happen there. I guess it, uh, how far was it from the foul pole? I can't, I can't 20 feet. I don't recall. Something. I didn't but see it live. Yeah. He just flipped it down there. I got to say, I still haven't seen the second one, but I, I saw the pitch, but I can't remember where it landed. It was like up and in, right? Where'd that one go? The first, the, the second home second one. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Because the game winner was to the in. deepest oh, part the of the game park. game winner was that ball was away. Two strikes. I think he got down 0-2 in that at bat, or at least 1-2. and two. And that was a way. And he, again, he doesn't jump to hit these. You know, he's, he weighs 190 or something. And he doesn't jump to hit those, but his hands are just so good that he just flicked it out there and right center, deep as it can be, in the flowers. That's a long, long ball to hit a home run. And uh, it was it was a it was a just a great display of hitting. He had a great week. I'm very upset that Edwin Encarnacion is the American League Player of the Week. It should be. He had five home runs and eight RBIs. Okay, mm-hmm. but he got to face the Twins. That's right. And, oh, come on! <laughs> That's an advantage. And. Plus, he always hits home runs in target field, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, this is he, nothing he, new. Uh, he went up up uh, third de- or second deck on Saturday, right? And mm-hmm. then Presley. Oof. Uh, I was having uh, lunch with uh, young uh, my youngest son, Mr. Baseball. Mm-hmm. 
He said, have you noticed how uh, Presley is uh, starting to leak here that they can't rely on him like they can? But you know what? It's, I think said, it's because yeah. they're using him all they the time. They are using him. I think they got to uh, they got to refresh him here and use something They got to give him a little bit of a break here. Yeah, because it's, uh, well, he needs a good curveball. But anyway, uh, Eddie Rosario, fantastic performance yesterday. He's he's just having an unbelievable season. He's going to be on um, the All-Star team. Yeah, unless he? something bad happens, uh, I don't know who else they could possibly send to the All-Star game. Well, Barrios, right? Uh, maybe, maybe. Fernando Rodney <laughs> yeah. he's going to end up having the money. You know what, though? I, I, I said this earlier, Pat, but I, I think it's amazing to see just how, because baseball is such a weird sport in that, Sometimes it just doesn't pan out, and sometimes it takes a while for guys. But right now, Eddie Rosario has become the player that we all wanted Byron Buxton to be when he was drafted. Yeah, but there was never a chance he was going to be that kind of hitter when you, when you saw that swing. I mean, you you hope you talking about Buxton? Buxton, you never you never that swing is oh, but the, the minor the, league numbers though. Yeah, but they were no, they weren't. Look him up. He never. He didn't own leagues. He what impressed us about him was he was the fastest thing we'd ever seen. He could catch the ball, hit it with some power, and yes, he had decent num- minor league numbers. He had better numbers than Eddie, but the reason is he was trying and Eddie was right. But Eddie I, just but, wanted to get to the big leagues so he could start hitting. But I, I'll never forget when he was in Cedar Rapids and the comparisons to Trout started because Trout played at Cedar Rapids and, and the, the yeah, numbers but, were very but, comparable. I guess that's what I'm basing that opinion on is that. When when he first got to you know a ball, the expectations just started to grow because we were so desperate for anything because the Twins teams were so well, lousy and, back and then. And the uh, local media, we we had much to do with building it up. Our, we the Star Tribune a few years ago sent Sue Ann out for like four times during the season to write these odes to Buxton as he was progressing, and uh, and uh, we got a little we got a little carried away, but as far as Natural hitting talent, no comparison. I mean, Rosario's a natural hitter. Uh, Three home runs in a game for the Twins. Bob Allison uh, in uh, May of uh, 1963. Harmon Killebrew in September of 1963. The senior, Tony Oliva, in uh, July of 73. Uh, Justin Morneau, it was another, they went, 34 years Holy without a cow. guy hitting That's three. That's right. I think I remember Morneau, that. Yeah. Uh, in uh, July of 07. Uh, Dozier. And now, it has now happened five times since September of 16. You know why? It tells you something about the home run. Launch angle. Concrete settled. Launch angle. <laughs> but Dozier uh, that year in 16. Kepler in 16. Rosario uh, was... Uh, July June June third, two thousand seventeen. Buxton was the last one. Remember that no. September twenty seventh last year. He hit three, and I think it was in Toronto. It was in Toronto. That's and right. Now right. Rosario, Rosario, first twin ever to hit three twice. And, and now the story is, according to Eddie, that the last time his parents saw him play a game, he also hit three home runs. Kepler's was in Cleveland, right? Yes. That's what I, I can't. Think I remember that. Yeah. I, I I can't believe that they came up to see him play one game and then went back to Puerto Rico. No. Yeah. I I think they they hang out a little bit, but I guess what he's saying is both times they've been here for their summer trips to see him play, 
He's hit three. Over. And in fact, didn't he home run in his debut yes, when his parents were here? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Say. First at bat. Yeah, I was going to say it was his first at bat. It was against yeah. Oakland, I believe. Yeah. As uh, Dougie McCabbage said to explain his, uh, what, 290 on base in double A? He don't care. <laughs> he thinks he should be in the big leagues. And he said he's the best hitter in the organization. Dougie told me that for three years before he ever had it. And I uh, I, I remember seeing him in early BP down there in uh, uh, Florida in 2015, and nobody knew if he was going to make the club or not, and he just... He just, you could just see that he was a, he's a, just got a wonderful set of hands to hit with. And, uh, and he doesn't care. He can go over 15 and he'll still come up to the plate and hit a line drive if he get the pitch he wants. So Eddie uh, Rosario, fantastic uh, day yesterday is one of the greatest hitting days in twins history. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day. Richie Powers is in a fight with a fan right here in front. Referee Richie Powers was assaulted by a fan. They pulled the bore off. There are the cops out in the middle. They got fans out in the middle of the floor. The Phoenix Suns trying to get it cleared to get the two seconds off. Garher, turn around, shot in the air. It's good. It's tied again. I don't believe it. Garfield heard at the buzzer, threw one in outside. We've got a third overtime in a Boston Garden. June 4th, 1976, one of the greatest NBA games of all time. Everyone agrees on that. And despite Gar Hurd and Sports Illustrated having him on the cover saying shot heard around the world, uh, Celtics won a game yes. in the third overtime, 128-126. But it was completely chaos. And I remember, now it was only a 20-footer, but I remember watching and going nuts when Hurd made that shot because it was like desperation and the Celtics thought they won the game and the Celtics fans were nuts in the old Boston Garden. And I think that particular situation, the Suns had been down by one, but then they they didn't have any timeouts, but they called the timeout because they wanted to advance the ball and they gave Uh the Celtics an an extra free throw and then, you know... Gar hit the shot to tie it up and force the third overtime. I think that's how uh, it that, went. That might have been it. But anyway, uh, Celtics won it, and the fans were so rowdy that Jerry Colangelo announced after the game they would not come back to Boston seven for, Boston for Game 7 unless Boston improved security of the fans. Uh, they lost the Game 6 in Phoenix and lost the series to the Celtics. <laughs> that was a great final, though. Man, it was, one, it was a terrific time, 1976. So this was, uh, you know, before Bird and Magic. So this idea that the NBA had to be revitalized by Bird and Magic. We were all in on this series.